Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government in 1952 and remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witness Lee carried on this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America and ultimately around the world. He served the Lord for more than 70 years before going to be with him in 1997. His major contribution was through a 21-year labor he called Life Study, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsmradio.org radio.org. Now, here's our show today. The book of Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon after his fall, as described in 1 Kings chapter 11 verses 1 through 8 in his following after the foreign wives. Ecclesiastes begins, The words of the preacher, the son of David, the king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What advantage does a man have in all his work, which he does under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth stands forever. Also, the sun rises and the sun sets. All things are wearisome. No one is able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor is the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed, all is vanity and a chasing after the wind. This is the opening of the book of Ecclesiastes, and I'm here with Bob Danker today. Bob, welcome back to the studio. It's good to be with you again, Matt. Bob, this is our only radio program we're going to do, Bob, on this book of 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes. There's actually two printed life studies, but we've combined them into one program today. I wonder if you can give our listeners an overview before we go to Witness Lee. Matt, this book is unique in the entire Bible. It was written by King Solomon, and we know that Solomon was a very wealthy king of Israel. He was uh, ruling in Israel at the very height and peak of the kingdom after David had won the victories and defeated all the enemies in the good land and Israel had possessed the land. Then Solomon came into his reign, a reign full of glory and wealth and riches, and even Solomon was a wise man. But after a period of time, Solomon was seduced by God's enemy to turn away from God. As you said, he followed his foreign wives to worship the idols that they worshiped. And this, of course, caused a great tragedy in Solomon's life and in the history of Israel. But while he was away from God, Solomon gave himself to pursue every kind of 
pleasure and endeavor known to man under the sun to see if in those things there could be anything for man's satisfaction and fulfillment. And so he used his wealth and used his kingly position to gain access to all the things of pleasure and all the things that man was involved in. And so he tried everything. Basically, he tried everything, everything that he could during the course of his life. Then eventually he turned back to God because he realized without God, there's nothing. Everything is vanity of vanities, a chasing after the wind. Everything is like a vapor. It's just nothing. It's emptiness. And um, so Solomon writes a 12-chapter book in which he describes basically the history of mankind in man's falling away from God. And he concludes that this history and all the endeavors of man are nothing but vanity. Man enters into the world with nothing. He leaves the world with nothing. He's like a vapor, like a breath. It's here for a moment. It's gone. And in a sense, he echoes Paul uh, when Paul said that the entire creation is subjected to vanity by God in the slavery of corruption. Everything becomes corrupted. It's new in the beginning, then it becomes old and corrupted. What is this? Solomon says, vanity, nothingness, emptiness, worthlessness. So Solomon has this conclusion about the things under the sun. Then at the end of his book, he does charge man to fear God. So in a sense, Solomon comes back to God, as indicated at the end of his writing. And this is really where man finds meaning to his life and satisfaction for his living. Well, thanks, Bob. You were a reference there to the Apostle Paul's word is a verse I'd like to read as we segue into Witness Lee here. It's from Romans chapter 8, verses 20 and 21. For the creation was made subject to vanity, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will also be freed from the slavery of corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Let's go to Witness Lee for today's life study. Ecclesiastes in Hebrew is Kohelet. It means preacher, one who gathered and spoke to an assembly of the children of Israel. Right? Okay. The writer, the wise King Solomon, the time about 977 B.C. after Solomon's fall. The place, no doubt, Jerusalem. The contents, aha, uh-huh, may be considered as a history. Ecclesiastes is a history. History of what? History of the human life entirely as vanity of vanities. History of mankind is what? Vanity of vanities. Nothingness of nothingness. Whatever is under the sun, vanity. If you read Romans 8, verse 20, the creation was made subject to what? To vanity. The entire universe under the sun was made subject to vanity. 
under the slavery of corruption. Today, everything here is decaying under the slavery of corruption. I wear a pair of shoes. I think that shoes maybe about, I don't know how near they go. It looks quite new. But all of a sudden, the heel, black heel, become white. What is this? <laughs> then we sent to shoe repair. He said, your shoe is too old. It is corrupted. <laughs> it, 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 it fell, falls down. So they changed the heel. Just two days ago, I went back home. The part became white. <laughs> that is the slavery of corruption. Bob, I think we can all relate to this uh, slavery of corruption that Witness Lee's talking about. It's really a picture of the whole human history from the beginning even to the present, that it's all just a vanity, isn't it? That's right, Matt. Everything is subject to corruption. And of course, the reason for this is because of uh, Satan's rebellion and then man's fall. When man fell, not only man fell, but the entire creation under the sun, everything in the old creation was subjected to vanity in the slavery of corruption. Everything begins in a good way, nice, new, even attractive and beautiful, but eventually with age and with time, everything becomes corrupted. What is this? This is vanity of vanities. Solomon realized this because of the wisdom that he had gained from God, and Paul saw the same thing and pointed it out to us in the New Testament. So in a real sense, there's only one thing that's not subject to the slavery of corruption and the vanity of vanities, and that's God himself. God is eternal. He is outside of the realm of the old creation, which is subject to vanity and the slavery of corruption. The only way for us to escape this vanity of human life and human history is to come back to God and to be joined to God and to God's eternal plan. Amen, Bob. I just uh, echo your word, and that's our prayer today for anyone listening, that wherever they are, they would be brought back to God and be saved from this vanity and this corruption that we're talking about and that Solomon is referring to. Let's go on to the next portion with Witness Lee, and he's going to talk about a phrase in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, that God has put eternity in their heart. A precious verse and a precious word coming up. Here's Witness Lee. In creation of man, God put something into man, which Solomon called eternity. That is the aspiration after God. You know, after you enjoy all the things within you, there is an aspiration for something eternal. All these are temporary. A number of successful people will tell you, when they got it, God's achievement, then they feel there is a kind of emptiness in them, seeking something eternal. No word, but just this kind of feeling. Everyone has this. When you are studying your college, making your degrees, 
you aimed to get three PhDs, super PhD. When you got it, you just feel, what is this? This is zero. You are aspiring for something eternal. This is all what I can say according to my own experiences. Whenever you have a success in your human life, it always leads you to this kind of a feeling. What is this? An aspiration within you for eternal things. That's God. So, man's heart seeking God was made by God. Do you think a dog, a horse, they have this kind of aspiration? No. But every thoughtful person, when God is success, something in you is seeking for eternal things. Bob, this is a great point to stop and discuss for a moment. I can testify from my personal experience that this is really true. After you have a success, there's still a void there. There's still eternity in our heart. Let me read the footnote on this in the recovery version. Footnote 1 on verse 11 in chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes. This is the note on eternity in their heart. A divinely implanted sense of a purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. That's the quote directly from the Amplified Bible. God created man in his image and formed in him a spirit that man may receive and contain him. In addition, God put eternity, an aspiration for something eternal, in man's heart so that man will seek God, the eternal one, Hence, temporal things can never satisfy man. Only the eternal God, who is Christ, can satisfy the deep sense of purpose in man's heart. That's the note, Bob. I'll let you pick it up from there. Yes, Matt. That is a marvelous uh, footnote, and it mentions the fact that God planted in man's heart a sense of purpose. Not just a temporal purpose, but an eternal purpose. And nothing under the sun can satisfy man. Only God can satisfy man. Because God created man for God's purpose. And that is that man would receive him as his life and possess God as his reality and his enjoyment and his everything, even his virtues, so that Man, in a corporate sense, not just individuals, but as in a corporate way, man would be the very expression of God. God created man for the body of Christ so that we, by receiving God in Christ, could be members of Christ's body. And this body is the very expression of Christ. Unless we are part of this expression of Christ by possessing God as our life, and our very nature, and living by this divine life and divine nature, we will never be satisfied, because this is the purpose for which God created us. And this kind of aspiration to be a part of this eternal purpose, and to have God as the eternal one, to be in us, and to fill us, so that we can express him, this has been planted into the heart of every man. This is the reason, as you mentioned, Matt, no matter how successful a person may be, 
in business, in athletics, in education, or whatever endeavor, after he achieves his highest success, he always has a feeling within him, a little feeling, almost undescribable, but that feeling says vanity, (laughs) vanity, nothing, something still missing. I haven't attained what I was created for. You know, this is a marvelous thing, which God purposely put in man when he created man, so that what? Man would eventually turn to God and seek God and gain God. What a wonderful picture, Bob. I I enjoy this. Let's go on, though, because the very next verse in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 12, says, I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lifetime. So he's talking about man. What should man do? They need to just try to rejoice and do good. And I also want to read chapter 2, verse 24. It's in the same vein. There is nothing better for man than to eat and to drink and to make his soul taste enjoyment in his labor. So this is man. This is the preserving of man in a sense that we're going to see preserving for the sake of the gospel. Let's go to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's message. God created man for himself. But man was seduced to give up God. It seems man is finished with God. But no, don't say this. Uh God will still bless man to have some good living, to eat well, to drink well, and to enjoy, in order to keep mankind to exist, survive for generation and generation, that out of this living man, God will redeem his chosen ones. Could you see? If there's no blessing, nearly man cannot live on the earth. I think everyone will go to commit suicide, right? If mankind all will be ended, all will be just finished. Now, how could Christ come? Through whom? On the one hand, you have to understand me, man is fallen, finished with God. But on the other hand, God still blesses, still send the rain to the earth, still keep the good order of the universe. Everybody likes to live here. And this living keeps mankind for God to fulfill his choosing. He has chosen us before the foundation of the earth. So we all are here. I was born in China. And my mother was uh, brought to Christianity. She brought us, the children, into Christianity. Every Sunday, she made a good food for us, encouraging us to go to church. I never got saved, but I was kept until, haha, at the end of my teenage, one day, a young sister, only five years older than I, she came from another province to preach the gospel. I was curious. I like to go to hear this young girl. I got called by the Lord. I got saved. So without uh, this kind of physical human life, how could I exist till that day? 
Still, still, you see, these are all sovereign of the Lord. This is a really good picture, Bob, of how Witness Lee was preserved growing up in a Christian family in China in the early 1900s and ending up with the gospel, which is really the purpose to end the vanity of the human life. Really a good way to end this program on Ecclesiastes, isn't it? I agree with you, Matt. Actually, for a long time, I always had the question within me, since man has fallen away from God, why does God allow man to enjoy so many good things? The sun shines on man. Man enjoys eating, drinking, all kinds of enjoyments for mankind. Regardless of whether a man is good or bad, he still enjoys many things. What's the reason for this? Well, Brother Lee gave us a good insight here. The reason is that God has an eternal purpose, which he must fulfill. And for this, he needs mankind. He needs the human race, generation after generation after generation. At the time of Solomon, Christ had not even been born yet. So God's redemption for fallen man had not been accomplished. If man did not have certain things in his life that he enjoyed and that motivated him to pursue and to seek after certain things, such as achievements of various kinds, man would become disheartened and want to give up life. He wouldn't want to live. And then the human race would be ended, and God could not fulfill his purpose. Even Christ could never have been born into the human race and never died on the cross, never could have resurrected from the dead, and the Spirit would never have been able to save the chosen ones of God throughout the generations and to build them up into one body to express God. That would never have been able to happen if the human race had been ceased to exist. So God gave man certain pleasures in his life so that mankind as a whole might exist and God's chosen ones might be born into the world and ultimately saved through the gospel and joined to Christ and become members of the body of Christ. This is the unique way for man to escape the corruption that is in the world. Although we have many things given to us by God, we should not linger in these things, but we should pursue God himself. We should pursue Christ. Only Christ can satisfy us and bring us into the new creation where we are no longer subject to the vanity and the corruption of the old creation. Well, Bob, that's a good lead-in to uh, the way I want to end the program today is the way Solomon ended the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. He said, The end of the matter, when all has been heard, is this. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. For God will bring every deed to judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Well, Bob, we've run out of time. Thanks for coming in and doing this Ecclesiastes program with me today. It's a pleasure, Matt. And thank you also for joining us. Our prayer is that you really would receive some light on the vanity of the human life and appreciate Christ as the one who fulfills the purpose of eternity that's in man's heart. If you'd like to get more information, please call us at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or just send an email to radio at lsm.org. On behalf of Bob Danker, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening and tune in for our next program as we continue on with the Song of Songs.
Are you enjoying this program online or on a smartphone right now? Did you know there's much more from Living Stream Ministry that you can carry with you? Go to lsm.org slash ePublications to discover all that we have available for your tablet, e-reader, or smartphone. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can read this ministry on any PC, Mac, Android, Palm, Blackberry, Sony, or Linux device. Everything from the recovery version of the Bible to the complete life study messages and a vast array of other titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee are now just a touch away. The Word of God is rich and weighty, but now you can take it with you wherever you go. Again, the website, lsm.org ePublications. Thanks for listening today. Was Jesus simply a great religious leader? The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29 Based on the scriptures, the religious people were looking for a great leader, but Jesus was introduced to them as a little lamb with a little dove. The lamb is for redemption, to redeem fallen man back to God, and the dove is for life-giving, for anointing, to anoint man with what God is, to bring God into man and man into God. Both the lamb and the dove are needed for man to participate in God. Scripture, John 1.29, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.